Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. I am bringing you a conversation with a collector that matters. I got my man, Brandon. You know him at Mission Street Cards on the program today. This guy has a collection of Galactics that I have never seen before. Trust me on that one. We talk about his collecting of Galactic soccer cards and go down some other avenues in the hobby. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Oh yeah, I will be announcing the winner of this 2021 Panini Mosaic Basketball Hobby Box today. You got a little bit of time left if you're listening to this in the morning. Post your card, tag at Stacking Slabs, at Panini America, hashtag SSP giveaway. Going to be announcing a winner Friday. That's the day this episode goes live. Good luck. Take care. Let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? I am excited for this conversation. I am joined by someone who I've been observing, interacting with on Instagram for quite some time. I'm joined by Brandon. You might know him on Instagram at Mission Street Cards. We have a lot to talk about. He's got an awesome collection of LeBron, Ronaldo, Messi. He collects Galactic Revolution in basketball. Um, We're going to talk about a lot of other different topics. But before we jump in, Brandon, how are you? I'm great. Happy Monday. Um, it's nice to take a take a bit of time out of my workday and talk about cards. Uh, I'm, I'm, as we're getting into it, I'm more excited uh, than I thought it would be. It's always good to talk about cards. Yeah, no, and I'm glad it's scheduled. As we're recording this, everybody, it's we're in the middle of both of our workdays. I don't know if our bosses know about it. Probably not, but that's okay. Sometimes we need a little brain break uh, to talk about cards. Maybe we we start here. Um, you know, you, you've been someone who's got that I've observed and, and hasn't just a, a ridiculous collection that we want to get into, but you're also an individual that I've appreciated in the hobby who, um, you know, has strong opinions about things you're observing and things you're seeing. And we were, before we hopped on, um, I think it was like a La meme meme that like kind of got this card sale that went viral. And then there was a thread and you were contributing to it, but about this time last year, we were talking about the 96, 97 Skybox EX 2000 Stardate uh, Kobe PSA 10 sale that went from like $450 one year to almost 70K this time last year. And now it's down to 11K, which yeah. at the time seemed crazy. Um, and you were kind of, you, I think you said something about like, I'm willing to die on this hill. <laughs> And I think, I think you've been validated, but like, talk to me about just like stuff like that. Like you observe it, you know, something's funny and you use your platform to kind of educate people who might not be in the know and just share your opinion. Like talk a little bit about how you use Instagram when you see stuff like that. Cause it's something I appreciate. Yeah. I'm happy to. I mean, th- that time in the market was a funny time, right? We were setting records left and right, both at the very high rare 
items, you know, the really rare Jordan autos and PMGs and rubies and stuff like that, but also cards that weren't as rare, like, you know, the Kobe that you mentioned. And just from my perspective, and look, I'm, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but you had a lot of people in the hobby saying, oh, there's so much private equity money coming in and all these hedge funds are dumping money in. And, you know, it's, this is the place to be. And I, I looked at that and I thought, you know what? And, and in fact, if you look at my stories, I sort of saved some of these from about a year ago. I said, look, I believe the sort of real high end sales, but for cards that aren't that rare, like the, this Kobe card in particular, I just wasn't buying that, you know, really sophisticated financial investors who I, you know, work with outside of the hobby and know them and know sort of what their risk appetite and what they're looking for is. I just couldn't fathom that those types of people were buying these, you know, cards that didn't have sort of the rarity that and, and cachet that others did. And so that one in particular, I honed in on because I felt like the people who were sort of trumpeting that sale were, you know, I worried that they were going to take advantage of some people who didn't know as well and thought, um, you know, let me go buy this card and then, you know, I'm going to be upside down on it, you know, $50,000 in a year. And frankly, that that's what happened and it's sad. But when things like that present themselves that seem obvious to me, I try to point them out on my very small platform to hopefully save someone from making a bad choice. Yeah, no. And um, people who are listening should go check out his page, definitely Mission Street Cards, because uh, he sheds light on some of these things. But I think you, and I went back to your save stories and I was looking through it. I think you suggested like the only way like that the this sale is the sale at the time was like whether it's like some social media influencer who could like who can afford taking the hit because of like the social clout that they have and what it'll do for them or someone who has like a bunch of you know eights or nines of this and is trying to benefit off of it and i think me like i'm probably guilty of this but like i try to take an optim optimistic outlook on the hobby um and i want to but Oftentimes there's this, there's things that are happening that are um, going on that aren't so great. So like, I don't know, like is the best that we can do is just like kind of raise our, raise a flag, use our platforms, voice concern. Uh, or is there anything else that like, you know, you've found helpful to help others that are coming back in as you see these things pop up? You know, it's hard to, because I try to approach things from sort of a rational standpoint. You know, I was an econ major in undergrad, I think in terms of statistics and supply and demand. That works to some extent, but on the other hand, our, our hobbies are irrational and people buy cards very legitimately at irrational prices because they just want the card. And so you always have to have a, a healthy degree of humility about sort of what you know and what you don't know. And so in approaching these things, but I think it is always helpful to remember who might have an interest in this and have some degree of skepticism. And, you know, if you, you have a lot of certainty about something, then sure, I think broadcast it. But um, I do think you can sort of go too far in being very conclusive or, um, you know, certain about things, which may not turn out to be true because look, there are irrational actors out there who just, you know, really want a card and it, it's hard to know. Yeah. Let's, we're going to get into the card stuff. I definitely want to spend some time at the end talking about um, the digital collectible space because I know you have opinions on it. But let's start here. I got to know you or I was first attracted to your page based on what you're doing in the revolution galactic world. And I had never seen anyone as dedicated to a specific parallel as you were to galactic. Let's start here. Why galactic? What is it about that parallel that is attractive to you? 
And then let's kind of get into after that, like what kind of collection and things that you've done in that lane, but just maybe start with the why behind it. So when I came back into the hobby about four or five years ago, I spent a lot of time on the the blowout message boards. I think there's a lot of good information you can learn on there um, in terms of collectors and what you know has gone on. I was out of the hobby for quite a while. I collected a lot when I was a kid and then left. And getting back into the hobby, I spent a lot of time just observing on the sidelines. And there were a few things that really stuck out to me. Um, and I think this is true of a lot of people, but I spent a lot of time on like Nat Turner's Flickr page, just looking at like, this guy has a volume and a quantity that's just staggering. And frankly, I love my favorite sets. I think in all of basketball are not Revolution Galactus. My favorite sets are the second year of PMGs, so the championship PMGs. And then I only have, I have one of those, which I can share later. And then 98 rubies, I think is that's the second year. I think those in terms of design are the best parallels across all sports. But coming back into the hobby at that point, you know, I I can't afford those cards. And I I love set collecting. I mean, that's sort of my passion. And there's just no way that I could build up a collection like that or others that have, you know, all of these PMG championships or rubies or things like that. And so I sort of took a step back and said, I would like to have a world-class collection like these guys. I don't have the bankroll that they do, or I I wasn't in early enough either. But if I could sort of find the Panini, what I perceive as the Panini versions of those cards in terms of aesthetics and rarity, and try to build up that now, and look, I'm going to be way early, probably 15, 20 years early. And maybe it never happens, but I would like to build up collections and cards that I think have potential to be sort of similarly sought after. Um, in the future. And at the end of the day, if that never happens, that's fine. I still really like the cards. And so for me, looking at all of the parallels in the market, the Galactic stood out to me. You know, I think the estimated print run, you can look at the pop reports, you can look at the blowout threads that kind of show this. But my best guess after following this market really closely is it's probably about 15 um, across at least the first three years. I, I have less confidence after that, but I think about 15. Now they're unnumbered, so I could be wrong. Um, could be higher. Some people think lower. That, that's my best guess. And for me, the aesthetics are just, uh, I, I love them. I, I even love the base, like even, you know, like a Kent Bazemore base galactic. I just stare at it. I, I love it, which is, you know, bizarre for a pet Kent Bazemore card. That, that's really what attracted me was long-term trying to build a, a world-class collection, a set collecting that, you know, would be desirable, but, you know, I, I can't afford the, the the ones that I really like. So although uh, they aren't numbered and we've all, I've been down that rabbit hole of looking at the blowout forums, looking at the pop reports, trying to figure out how many of they are. Was there any connection for you? And you mentioned a guy like Kent Bazemore and collecting the set. Now, is there any like correlation? I'm just trying to connect dots with like, like you look at Nat's Flickr page and you look at his PMG collection and it did like any player in that era, like he's trying to hit them, trying to build out that complete set. Would, would you view like, someone like a Nat or other PMG collectors as like a source of inspiration for you as you went out on this journey to kind of dig into galactics or was it kind of separate from that? Oh, absolutely. There, there was a one-to-one inspiration. I mean, I, I just really like the different mediums are fun. You know, you can post cards on blowout, you can post cards on Instagram. You know, a lot of people have different sort of, I'll call them curation techniques. I really like the, the flicker 
presentation um, because you can have, you know, a hundred cards sort of side by side and to be able to see a full set of PMGs or a full set of rubies or, you know, tops, Chrome, whatever he collects. It's just really fun to see that whole set. And so I've, I've done that. I have a Flickr page that has most of the cards I've graded and scanned in. And for me, that's very satisfying. And so I, I took a lot of inspiration from his collection. Let's talk about just what you have on the Galactics front. I think anyone who's followed the Galactics market had, so 2015 is the first year. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So 2015, I, I've noticed like, haven't paid attention to a while, but definitely there's been some significant sales usually starting back in 2015. And um, then it seems to me whenever these Lamello ball come out, like their galactics are to the moon. So there is a desire, I think within the marketplace to like, I don't know, have you felt like there has been, people have been catching on to galactics more and more over the years, or do you still feel like maybe you're kind of in a, on an Island a little bit doing what you do? It's interesting. I think there's a, when you hear people talk about Galactics, there's sort of a recognition that it is a sought after parallel, but I still think the community of people that collects them is very small. You know, I, I'm still building a few of the sets and still collect them pretty regularly and look at, you know, all the different auctions and things. And it has not reached a point where there's, you know, a ton of activity or overheating in the market. Um, I will say maybe about a year ago, prices really ticked up quite a bit, but they've kind of come back down from there. You know, you saw, there's been two big sales recently. There was the LeBron sale that um, a friend of mine, Art, bought off of um, the PWC fixed price. And that was the the PSA LeBron, uh, PSA 10 LeBron. It's a pop one. Uh, if you know the condition of these cards, I don't think it'll ever be a pop two. It's the best galactic card. Um, I actually was the runner up on it on a private sale about two or three years ago. And that was that was the toughest L of in the hobby. Um, I won't I won't say any more details on it, but that was a rough day. But ended up getting um, a raw copy later that graded a, a, a BGS 9.5, which I was really happy about. Um, and before, and I bought that maybe two years ago. And then the next LeBron that sold was the one that Art bought a few months ago. Um, and then you had the Steph sale, which is another PSA 10, I think a pop one, which uh, another great blog collector bought. And um, that's uh, Ballhawk. can't remember his handle on blog, but... He'd been saving up for a while to buy that card. And the interesting thing about the 2015s is those are probably the only two base cards that had popped up in the last six months. So it's not that just the high end isn't selling, like none are selling. Uh, if you go and look at eBay completed auctions, there's very few that ever sell. I picked one, a new one up recently just to give you a status update. I have 81 of 100 base vets now. And uh, the prior one that I had picked up was probably nine months before that. So they just come up very infrequently. Anybody who has the, the, I don't know, I always look at, I had a 2015 Galactic save search for a while and the blue dot didn't show up very often on it, no. eBay. So, no. which I think like, there's this like about collecting. I feel like, I don't know how you feel, but when you're on a mission to collect something, whether it's a certain parallel player or whatever, and it just, it doesn't pop up very often. Like it makes the fact that whoever it is or whatever it is, it makes it like feel like a little bit of an event and it's almost like you'll do whatever you can to obtain it when there's something that pops up that's in that lane that um, you're seeing for the first time. Yeah. You end up paying slightly absurd prices for, you know, <laughs> Alfred Payton cards and things like that, but you know, it, it's worth it. It's good. So the, uh, it, so you, you mentioned 
and I want to hear like what your like stats are kind of across the board and your galactic run, but you mentioned like you're a, a set collector and I know like there's to be a set collector. I think it, they're going to have lean into a little more passion than profit. Um, yeah. So like maybe first talk about like what you have and then, then like rationalizing it all in, in, in your mind um, when you're making buys or plays. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. I mean, I think one overarching philosophy I always try to be true to is to only buy things that I genuinely like. And I think that works both from just a hobby collecting standpoint, but also from an investor standpoint. I'll give you one example. I've collected a lot of the sort of 2012 through 2018 LeBron case hits and other rare cards. Um, I've never really gotten into Prism, but most of his inserts and case hits from that era I have. And there was always one, the Kaboom, which just never appealed to me. Um, it wasn't a card that I really liked and look, lots of people love it. And I understand why people love it. I just didn't like comic books as a kid. And so it wasn't a card that appealed to me. And so I never bought it. And, you know, I could have, I was buying all the other cards at the same time. And it's funny because, you know, that's one of the cards that's really blown up and done well and sort of the one that I didn't pursue, but you know, I'm okay with that. I, um, I don't regret it because I've tried to be consistent and just buying things that I like. And so that, that has led me to both the galactic set collecting another set that i've collected is platinum essentials so this was a an, a set that was released in 2017 it was a one and done it later become a subset became a subset of chronicles but it just from aesthetics i think is 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 amazing it's very similar to sort of the, the flare multi-shot images from sort of the early years and um i've been able to get that, that that print run by the way is probably around 10 it's also unnumbered but there's some really good articles that explain the print run and i think it's about 10 um i i have 199 out of 200 on that set and i have them all raw so i'm going to try to send them all in as a set and get them graded in sequential serial numbers when grading costs come down and i get that last one so if anybody has a patrick beverly platinum essentials <laughs> out there uh, that that's what i'm looking for Oh gosh, I love it. So I've heard when I hear you talk, uh, you've mentioned aesthetics a lot. You've mentioned, I think on your page, it says curating. Like, do you view uh, like what you're buying and how you're observing the hobby is like similar to like walking into like an art museum and looking at piece of art? Like, is, do you have a, is that like something you think about when you're buying cards and putting them together? I, I absolutely do. I mean, I think, there, people have some skepticism about that view, you know, our cards art, but I think Blake Griffin cards in, in Adam's uh, monthly periodical does a really nice job of showing the parallels between our hobby and art. And I, I absolutely think that it does. I mean, you, that some of these cards are just beautiful from a design standpoint. And so I, I try to, you know, I think in my family, we, we have some art that we buy and we like to support, you know, artists and, and have some art in our home. And I enjoy staring at, you know, some of the paintings in our home just as much as I enjoy staring at our cards. There's, there's a lot of parallels there. So uh, before we get off the galactic topic, what are you looking at in terms of current collection and inventory from 2015 to present day? So I've really focused on the first four years. Okay. Um, I've also focused on the base vet set. So there's 100 base vets in each of the first four years. Um, my favorite design year is the third year. So that's 2017, 18. I don't think it's anybody else's favorite in terms, if you look at prices, but it's my favorite. I have a hundred out of a hundred for that year. 
for 2018, which is the first year LeBron was in his Lakers jersey. It's also Luca's rookie year. I have 100 of 100 on that year. And then working backwards, 2016, 17, that's, a, that's sort of a big favorite of a lot of people from design. It's really nice looking, really shines. It has kind of a silvery background. Um, I have 92 out of 100 on that year. And then the first year, 2015, I just picked up 81 uh, last week. I managed to find an Alfred Payton popped up on, um, on eBay. In fact, I have a list of the cards I need, but I don't, they pop up so infrequently I forget. So I actually literally saw it pop up on my phone and got up and ran to my computer to go look at my Excel spreadsheet to see if I needed it and, you know, hit the bin as fast as I could. Yeah, we've all been there in that those scenario, and that's ridiculous. So, how how long has this uh, to get to where you're at with the Galactics? I said I was done with questions, but this is my last one here. No, but sure. How long how long has this taken you to get to this point? Probably about three years. Yeah, that's from start that's, to finish about three years. I've owned a lot of the inserts along the way, and I I love the inserts. You know, like the showstoppers and the stargazing and and vortexes, and um, I, I still own a decent amount of them. But I've tried to. You know, one of the things you have to do is there's, you can only have so many cards. Um, and so you, it, at some point you kind of have to consolidate and narrow your lanes. So I, I've tried to just focus on the base sets. Awesome. So, so maybe like tra- let's transition over to soccer. You were sure. showing me a pretty incredible card before we got on. What, what is your, uh, with obviously Ronaldo and Messi are, two of the greatest players ever. And um, you look just anyone who doesn't even pay attention to soccer knows that people there, people like them and their cards are expensive. Talk to me a little bit about your connection with soccer, soccer cards and like collecting uh, those two guys. So it kind of goes back to that initial vision that I had looking at the Nat Turner collections and other people like him, which is in addition to the volume and the quantity of these great cards, they also had a lot of really key one-of-one special cards of Jordan, Kobe, of these you know goats. And so I knew that I would never be able to swim in that pool and have those types of cards. It's just not, not feasible. But when I looked at the soccer market, and this was in 2018, I was seeing Messi and Ronaldo cards being listed for $1,000, $1,500, $2,000. are one of one flawless, one of one gold vinyl. Like these weren't leaf, you know, unlicensed cards. They were the counterparts of the cards that were selling for huge amounts of money in basketball and baseball and football. And I thought, well, that's odd. And then I, and it was at the same time, my two oldest kids were starting to get into soccer. And I frankly didn't play soccer growing up. I didn't follow it closely for international, you know, I'll call it football, but um, I, I didn't even know the rules all that well. And so I sort of, at the time, started getting into and trying to understand soccer better. And, and, you know, I bought a premier league subscription and started watching games so that I could, you know, be a better part of my, my kids sporting experience. And at the same time was starting to look at these cards on eBay and thinking, you know, there's a real opportunity here to build a world-class collection. Like some of these guys have basketball collections on the soccer level and it hasn't taken off yet and it may never take off, but I want to try to do that. And so instead of acquiring a lot of base cards and volume, I just tried to buy all of the best cards and one of ones and rare Jersey number cards. Spinatron, you know, he has a great collection and he was another inspiration in terms of looking at Jersey number cards and things like that. And so I sought to find those cards for, for Messi and Ronaldo and have, you know, continued to try to buy those over time. And, you know, I like to think I have a pretty decent collection now it's harder and harder to acquire because people have sort of discovered soccer cards and they are much more than they used to be, but that's been kind of the driving motivation. 
So there's uh, there's a parallel that I can relate with, and there's a, probably a connection point that we'll inevitably get to with a card that you sold outside of the soccer market. Yeah. But the, the this feeling of recognition, and you see these cards, and you think about those cards in other sports, in basketball, and you draw the parallels. Like you mentioned, fall is like one of one, and you're staring at these cards, and no one's talking about these cards. But you're like, you know, the historical significance of a player like uh, Messi and you know that flawless are great cards and obviously one of ones. But this feeling you have of this like intuition where you're just like, you know what, my kids are playing soccer. Like I just bought a premiere pass to watch more games. I love to collect cards. So although people aren't talking about this right now and it's not blowing up your Instagram feed, like this makes sense to me. I love like that part of the hobby where it's not just what everyone else is doing, but just going out on a limb because by thinking critically about something you're, you're observing, it just starts to make sense. And then I'm sure you just begin to appreciate it more and more over time. So maybe like, I'd love for you to share like, yeah, yeah. A thousand bucks is, is a lot of money, but like for a card like that, to me, it seems like nothing at this point. So like, yeah. Talk to me about being in that spot when no one around you is really collecting soccer cards, but you decide to like, be unique and go after it. Like, what did that take? And kind of, kind of, I'd love to just hear you unpack that a little bit. Cause I think that these kind of stories are great. Yeah. I think one thing that's important is you kind of have to tune out all the noise and it, I love to follow people on Instagram and see what they're talking about, but I don't try to let it influence sort of the direction of my collection and what I'm buying. If you do, you're generally going to be two steps too late. I don't think that's a really a way to do anything, whether it's in the hobby or, or anything else in life. I also think, you know, you have to be comfortable in your convictions. The one thing that helped me get comfortable is I, you look at Instagram followers. So LeBron has about 40 million Instagram followers. And that, that's a lot. Tom Brady, I think, has about 10 million Instagram followers. And, and not that Instagram is any correlation to the hobby, but Ronaldo is the most popular person in the world on Instagram. He has 400 million followers. He has 10 times the amount of followers of LeBron. And so I thought, how could it be that he's this popular outside of the hobby, but he's so popular, you know, across the world? And Messi, I think, just hit 300 million. And so I just had a lot of conviction. I continue to have a lot of conviction. I would say the majority of sort of where I'm spending my time and money is sort of in the high-end soccer market because I continue to think it's just a great place to be. And so you just have to, you have to be patient because sometimes it could take years, it could take decades. So if you're in it for you know a year or two, it's, it, it probably won't work out. Totally. I think you, I love the analysis, but, and then too, it's this, I'm sure what played a role into it is like a phase in your life where your kids are in soccer and you're just connecting with a hobby that you you've known and loved for years. And I think those are the moments that makes collecting super fun. And like, I want to bring up a car that you sold recently. Um, yeah. but I made the same analysis when I started collecting wrestling and went really deep yeah. into it. Sure. I looked at the, I looked at the rocks and I just pulled it up cause I hadn't looked in a while. He has 294 million people following him. Granted, they're not all, all wrestling right. fans, but that's yeah. a substantial number. Yeah. So I think thinking outside the box a little bit and tra- drawing parallels and finding opportunities to collect in is super fun. And so like one of the things, this hobby is so small, but big at the same time is, I knew I've been collecting a lot of the gold refractors from Topps Chrome. And I think there's a lot of wrestling collectors who listen to this show. So I think maybe sharing some perspective on like 
that Undertaker card that you just sold and like why you bought it, when you bought it. And then like, I want to know, cause we haven't really chatted about it. Like, were you yeah. surprised at how much it went for? Um, talk to, talk to me a little bit about that sale. I love that you brought up the rock and his Instagram follower. I think had I not had soccer, not been an opportunity, I could easily have seen myself sort of buying wrestling cards. You know, when I was a kid, I, you know, loved watching the WWF had all the action figures and stuff. And then there's some nostalgia there for me. You know, the rock was great. And so I could, I think that was, is, is a great example as well as just sort of translating general interest and popularity and culture into cards. And um, at the time when I was buying, you know, a lot of soccer cards and other cards, I was looking at gold refractors specifically at the time, LeBron gold refractors were just blowing up and whether that was completely organic or not, I, I don't know, but the prices were just getting astronomical. And I was looking at all gold refractors across the market and seeing, you know, Tom Brady has these gold refractors and The Rock has these gold refractors and even The Undertaker has them. And they were just selling for very small amounts of money relative to the LeBrons. And I thought, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So at the same time, I ended up buying a lot of Tom Brady gold refractors. Um, I bought that uh, a Rock gold refractor, which I think um, you, you have one of the copies of it. It's, it's a beautiful card. I think it's 2014. Is that the year? Yeah, 2014. Yeah. And then um, I picked up an Undertaker. I think it was like you know, $10 on an auction. And I thought, <laughs> the Undertaker's awesome. I mean, he was such a big deal when I was a kid. I mean, he was you know, one of the prime guys. I don't understand why this was only $10. A very cool card. You know, send it into Beckett. And it, one of the blessings and curses of Beckett, you know, their, their grading took, I think it took 14 months all in, which prevented me from selling it during you know, that entire time. And it's not a core part of my collection. Look, if I had unlimited resources, I would have never sold that card because it's a beautiful mm-hmm. card. I love it. But you know, we have to make tough choices to consolidate sometimes. And so, you know, send it into Wharf, who's uh, you know, my my third party eBay seller of choice. He ended up throwing it up there and I think it ended up at fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars, which blew my mind. I was I was expecting maybe 100, 200. I just don't follow the market that close. So I'm sure like how you watch these galactic sales, like I am deep in the weeds on like gold WWE refractors and even rare stuff. So that's stuff I'm looking at all day. And when that sale happened, I had the card. I haven't got it graded yet. But for me, it was like there had been momentum in that segment. And to see that sale, like realize it was just like, I don't know, like, wrestling Twitter went nuts about it. Everyone was talking about it. And I was just like, this is awesome. It just, it felt like that these cards had been just overlooked for so long and based the traits we buy cards on, right? Like they, I appeal scarcity, like legend, like that undertaker card checked a lot of boxes. So that photo uh, is amazing. (laughs) I mean, it's one of the best photos on any tops card. I think it's great. What 100%. Um, and just before we get off the wrestling topic, because I could talk about it forever, but you mentioned soccer and you look at WWE and you got to think about like one of the underrated elements. And I heard someone talking about this on a podcast re- recently. It's like the global reach of the superstars. It's in every country. So yeah. Undertaker shows up anywhere all over the world. Like there's going to be droves of people if he's walking down the street going to try to follow them. And I just think like, whatever you're collecting wrestling, soccer, or whatever, just like being mindful of stuff like that. And I still think there's opportunities all over the place in the hobby. You just kind of got to like use your head and it just doesn't seem like not all the time people are willing to do something unique. It's, I think it's just easier for people to kind of follow what other people are doing. Yeah. Use your head and your heart too. I think you got to follow what you have passion for. I think if you're just trying to, 
you know, make the right move where you think everybody else is going to go. You might be right, but I think you're going to end up in a in the wrong spot a lot. The other thing you mentioned, which I wanted to just uh, refer back to, is it's important to have sales um, along the way. You know, if in order for cards to progress and as a brand to progress and really gain a lot of recognition, you know, somebody needs to be moving cards. This happened sort of in the the gala market. Uh, this is another Panini base set that has really exploded recently. And I had a lot of them and ended up selling a lot of them that set a lot of record sales. I mean, most of the record sales over the last few years have been my cards. And it's kind of bittersweet because I really love the cards and didn't want to part with them. But also, you know, if nobody's selling them, that the cards are never going to sort of develop. So I think that's true of almost all sets. Yeah. And I think it back, that's back to like this whole, like looking at all the personas within the hobby. And it's like some people, sometimes people get mad at people for flipping cards, but flipping yeah. cards is what keeps the market rolling and where we can see brand new comps. Before we jump off, uh, I want to hit on this digital collectibles conversation slash cards with you. And I'll just start here and I'll let you just take it for any direction you want. I think over the last several years and not several years, over the last year, I'm here to say, collect whatever you want, do whatever you want. Like everyone can spend their money how they want. But I think the rub for me is when like the NFT conversation and all these digital collectibles start invading like our sports card um, feeds where we're just like on Instagram. We just want to talk about cards. We want to share information about cards. And I think there's like, I'm I'm skeptical about NFTs and could I be wrong? Um, For sure. And, but like for me, I don't have a connection with that. So I'm willing to like lose out on a bunch of money and be wrong um, if I don't have a connection to it. So I just think like uh, there's been this like, infiltration of like digital collectibles in the sports card areas where I go and communicate. And I know you've spoken out about just like digital collectibles, your position. And I just like, would love to like, have you like, here's like the stage, just share some perspective because I think you are a critical thinker and anything you have to share would be good for the the hobby and the community. I'll preface this by saying I have good friends in the hobby who do have NFTs and digital collectibles. And and there are also people who I respect a lot and I think are both respect as collectors and as investors. And so like anything, I try to keep, as you just stated, you know, a certain amount of humility about this stuff because we just don't know. It really goes back to, I think, when Top Shot was starting to blow up and I was looking at, would I be interested in buying one of these and just divorcing it from the value because i think at the end of the day you you have to sort of ground yourself in what is the utility of this thing that i'm buying and it may be the case that this nft or digital collectible that you're buying is really rare and it's really neat and has an artistic value that is commensurate with its value i can see that happening but especially in the top shot space i was seeing like a contavious caldwell pope breakaway dunk being sold for $3,000. And I was like, okay, you know, this is out of 200. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Let me go look at eBay. Like the most expensive Contavious Caldwell Pulp ever sold was like his rookie logo man for $2,000. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Something's not adding up here. And so it, both there and, and now in NFTs, I think it just goes back to what, what is the fundamental utility of, of what you're buying? Because the financial benefit could disappear tomorrow. You know, if everybody decides to, you know, sell whatever your NFT flavor is tomorrow because it's not appreciating value anymore, what's the fundamental value that you're getting? 
for me, you know, to take an example, you know, the Board Ape Yop Club is very popular right now. I just don't have any interest in in buying that. I mean, I probably wouldn't even pay $100 to own one of those, let alone 200000 But I also don't care to have, you know, the same thing that Paris Hilton has or Jimmy Fallon has. It's just not appealing to me. You know, I, I don't have a lot more thoughts beyond that other than I just haven't seen the value proposition or the utility in it yet. I might someday, but it's not something I've spent a lot of time looking into or really have interest in. That's good. And I, I think it's a position where it's, you're just... I'm the same way. It's It just feels to me that people want to attach these things and validate and say, hey, there's social proof on this collectible because Jimmy Fallon has it or because Paris Hilton has it or because, you know, Carmelo Anthony has it. And, it, and I don't like I don't care. Like I don't like I want it to mean something to me and I want it to have that utility utility value. So, again, like not trying to put down NFTs. If you're collecting them and you're investing in them, I wish you the best of luck. I think my rub gets when it feels like the NFT market is coming in and trying to like piggyback off of like the longevity that the hobby has sustained over the course of, you know, the last 40 or 50 years. I think another useful test is to think back like, you know, a few years ago, or if you had a friend over for dinner and they weren't in either hobby at all, and you, you know, said, Hey, I want to show you something. And you like pulled out, you know, your messy one of one super fracture. And you're like, look, nobody else in the world has this card. There's only one card. The design is amazing. It's a great picture. Like they might think you're weird, but they also might think, Hey, that's pretty cool. Like that, that's a neat little thing. Imagine doing the same thing. Like, you know, you pull up your phone and you're like, Hey, here's a picture of a squiggly line. It's amazing. Would, Would they have the same reaction? I mean, probably not. And so I think at the end of the day, it's, and, and art is art. Look, there might be someone who thinks that squiggly line is amazing. I mean, there's lots of modern art that I don't purport to understand. But um, I think at the end of the day, people have to like things enough that they want to own them long term. And I think really that's that's what fundamentally drives our hobby is people who want to own things for the sake of owning them for a really long period of time. And I think that's really what drives value. Very sound perspective. Before I let you go, you got to share with the listeners about the card that you just picked up that we talked about and you reference it in your hypothetical a little bit. So uh, share uh, the big card that you just picked up and maybe just talk about it and the reasons why you you bought it for whatever you did. So one of the things to preface in, in the in the soccer market, unlike basketball, they just didn't make that many sets. There's um, so far, there's only one year of flawless. There's I think three years of immaculate. There's maybe one or two years of national treasures, you know, prism is every four years. So there's just not a lot of sets to go around. And, you know, in Messi and Ronaldo are in most of those sets, but when you just look at the volume of the number of high end rare cards that they have, it's a very small universe um, relative to basketball or baseball or football. And so anytime you have an opportunity to get one of these cards, uh, there's a lot of people in the market. It's, it, you know, it's a growing area where a lot of collectors are being interested and you have to move quickly. You have to move decisively. You have to make some tough choices. Um, I had to sell a few cards that I really didn't want to sell in order to move into this, but it's, so this is a optic vinyl, uh, one of one, uh, it's the auto. And this is the first year of optic vinyl in soccer. There are, I think they just released a new optic vinyl set this year, but uh, before that, this was the only version. So unlike basketball, where there's 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20 every year, there's just one year. So if you want a messy one of one, uh, you've got four options. There's his 
club jersey. This is Barcelona. He's got an auto version and a non-auto, and he's got an Argentina non-auto and auto. So I was connected to this card. It's a small community. Um, sometimes when big cards come up for sale, I'll get a few DMs saying, hey, did you see this? You know, people are, are really kind and helpful. Um, and it's it's a, it is a really wonderful international community. I've, you know, ended up becoming friends with people around the world, uh, just really nice people. And um, somebody pointed out that there was a seller in Barcelona who's been a, a longtime Leo Messi collector. Uh, he has an amazing collection and he was putting this up for sale. And so it took us a little while to figure out the logistics, you know, getting a card from Barcelona to the States. It's some people do this all the time. I don't. So it was uh, a little bit stressful, but ended up coming in the mail just the other day. And I, I couldn't be happier. You know, I, I just I was showing this off to my, my kids and a few friends recently. Re- really happy to have it. That's awesome. Congratulations on the purchase. And I, I would imagine that being early in the soccer market and doing what you've been doing, it just, it seems like you've probably gotten a lot of personal satisfaction in, there, in just watching the, the market and the momentum go. Um, when it reaches, you reach a point like a card like this becomes available. It's, yeah, it's expensive. And yeah, you probably have to sell a bunch of cards you love, but it's almost just like that final layer of, of validation now that you have ownership of one of these cards that no one else in the world has. Totally. This is now my my third messy sort of super fracture gold vinyl. I, I haven't posted them to my Instagram page yet, but um, the amount of uh, changes in the market is pretty astronomical. I, I probably paid about 25 times for what I paid for my other ones for this one. That's so hobby. That's what happens in the space yeah. that we love. Brandon, I appreciate the time. Everyone go check out his page at Mission Street Cards. Thank you so much. There's a bunch of other stuff I'd even get to, so we'll have to have you back on sometime to get through it. Brett, really, really appreciate you having me on. I respect you a lot as a collector, and you, you uh, put out a great product in your podcast, so thank you. Thanks, man. Tons of insight and information. Love his passion and critical thinking when it comes to the way he collects sports cards. Go check out Mission Street Cards page. Hit that follow button. Make sure you hit the follow button on Stacking Slash Podcast and everything I'm doing over here. If you like what I'm doing, tell your buddies. Appreciate that word of mouth. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Be back next week with more Stacking Slash Podcast.